0: Welcome to another episode of the Leadership Download. Uh, this is our first podcast of 2023, so Happy New Year to everyone. Uh, thank you for your support over the last year. Um, on this episode of the Leadership Download podcast, we have a, a very special guest um, and a good friend of ours, uh, Martijn van Tilborg. Um, so just to tell you a little, about, a little bit about who Martijn is, um, he is a co-founder of Avail, which is a strategic market marketing architect and a consultant for numerous large organizations and influencers. He is also a minister, author, and speaker, as well as a serial entrepreneur. Martine's passion to innovate and see God's plan unfold in people's lives inspired him to create several successful companies, including Four Rivers Media, Kudu Publishing. Dream Releaser Enterprises and the Leverage Group. So, Martine will be specifically talking about his book Unboxed, Uncovering New Paradigms. Um, and you're really going to enjoy this um, really intriguing discussion. Um, so, we hope you enjoy this podcast and um, enjoy the discussions and knowledge that Martine has to bring, uh, talking about the idea of how to become unboxed. All right. Well, uh, welcome to another episode of the Leadership Download Podcast. Thank you for joining in. Um, We have a special guest, Martine. Martine is someone we met through um, our involvement with Avail, and we had Sam Chan on a few months ago. And thank you, Martine, for um, wanting to be a part of this podcast and accepting the invitation. Hey, the honor is mine. Yeah. Thank you. For sure. Uh, so today we're going to be talking about uh, uh one of his books called Unboxed. Um, Martijn, uh can you tell a little bit about that book and then we'll kind of focus our discussion surrounding uh, this book uh, that you wrote, Unboxed?
1: Yeah, man. Uh, Unboxed. So Unboxed has really been a journey for me, really the journey of my life so far. I hope I still have many more years to go. But uh, I remember one point looking back on my life and i I saw what had transpired over several decades and how much had changed. and um, I, I, I I tried to analyze what what had happened, how it had happened, and tried to extract principles that other people could benefit from. and unbox really for me, is the idea that was extracted from, I believe it's the book of John where 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 uh, john says that the thief comes to steal and destroy but that jesus comes to give us life life more abundantly right and so many times we think about the thief as something that brings depression or hunger or lack financially or sickness or even death and all those things are through right because we we deal with an enemy that's not out to give us a good life he's trying to destroy us um, but I came to a realization one time when I was reading that scripture that maybe the most powerful way that the thief comes is to make us believe that the life we live is in fact that abundance that Jesus wants to give us, while in reality there is so much more that we can see from our vantage point. Because if he can accomplish that, if he can make us believe that this is how good, as good as it gets we we stop progressing we stop evolving we stop growing and that's where he gets us and um, that's kind of where the idea came from and uh, a good illustration of what it means to be unboxed is a story from the old testament that i use a lot Um, because so not just so many all of us have minds that are conditioned by the way we grow up Uh, the way we've been educated, the culture we're in. and, And we are sort of put into an invisible box with invisible boundaries that keeps us conditioned to a certain set of rules that we've been taught. And one day I was reading the scripture, and we all know it, where God's people finally escape from that place of oppression, Egypt, for hundreds of years. And they've been given a promise, a promise of the promised land, right? So they're all excited. They're leaving that. And they come to the River Jordan, which was the separating line between the wilderness and the life they were destined to live. And we all know the story. Um, They send in 12 spies and they come back with a report. 10 of them say, you know what? There's giants in the land. You can't Mm -hmm. take him. We're all going to die. And two of them, by the name of Joshua and Caleb, They said, well, if God promised it to us, we can take it. Well, long story short, at the end of the day, the people believed the 10 that said, we're going to die. And then it says this, and I'm paraphrasing. God basically got so frustrated with them. He said, you know what? Back in the wilderness, you go for 40 years. Everybody will die. If you're 20 years or older, you're going to die in the wilderness. Everybody 20 years or younger will come back after 40 years to the same place and I will give them the promise. And then it says this one little line that we sort of read over. And it says this, those 20 years or younger shall be caused to become shepherds in the wilderness for 40 years. Now think about that statement for like a second. Those that were the younger generation were caused to become something they were never supposed to be through circumstance, not by choice, By the choices of an older generation, they were forced into a position where they were supposed to become something they were not destined to become. Shepherds in the wilderness. Now, when you think about that for a moment, what happens to one's mind when you operate in a place that you're not supposed to operate in? You simply start to believe that the life you live is the life you're supposed to live. So all you can do at that point is to make sure you become a better shepherd, is to train more shepherd, to get a better shepherding program, because you're conditioned by that box of thinking that living like a shepherd in the wilderness is the life you're supposed to live. And I think that illustrates what it means to be boxed in. Because to an extent, we all live in a box because of being in an environment that has conditioned us to think by a certain set of rules. And uh, so I looked at my past. I saw everything that God had done. And I was amazed. I was thankful. But at the same time, I looked at a lot of my peers. And they had made no progress. And not just no progress. In many cases, there was like a decline. You know, some got divorced. Some got, there, was, there was all kind of stuff going on. I was, what made me so special? What did I do different? And I started to identify the journey of the unboxing process that was helping me to get to a place of promise as opposed to, you know, stagnant walking in circles in the same place.
2: You know, uh, Martin, in your book, you talk a lot about uh, in the introduction, you talk about that move from South Africa to the United States. Can you share a little bit about that and how that kind of pertains to this idea?
1: Yeah, so... When I grew up, I knew at a very young age that God had called me, right? So what do you do when God calls you? First, you quit school. That's what I did. You know, I don't recommend anybody do the same thing. But I quit school because I figured, you know, if God calls you, he'll take care of me. Why go to school learn something I'm never going to use? So I did that. And then I was presented with three options that my religious culture put in front of me and they said, well, if God calls you, you got three options. You become a pastor, you become a missionary or you become an evangelist traveling around preaching. So that's what I started to do. I started planning churches. I became pastor. I planted four churches simultaneously in the Netherlands, uh, which about killed me and burned me out. uh, So I don't recommend doing that. Um, Then I ended up as a missionary in South Africa and, um, when I was in South Africa, I did the same thing. I planned a church and did some social work and built a, um, a preschool with a couple of hundred kids in one of the most impoverished areas in, in Cape Town. And I was in the mindset of, I'm going to be there for the rest of my life. Um, you know, a, Africa was the place we shipped everything we owned, uh, two kids. At that time, my third one was born there, I had three dogs at one point, a house. And one morning, I remember my wife woke up and he, she said to me, you know what? I was prompted to kind of look into your green card status. And I had applied for my green card status uh, just after 9-11. Very complicated. Uh, the process took forever because all the extra layers of security involved. Mm-hmm. The time, money, energy, frustration, anger, all kinds of emotions to finally get that card. Uh, I finally got it because I flew to from Cape Town to Orlando for a five-minute interview. Literally flew back. They approved. They sent the card in the mail. So I never used it. And <clears throat> that, mo- that morning, my wife said, I, ha- I was prompted to check on your status, and I found out if you're not back once a year for one day, you're going to lose your status. Mm-hmm. So I looked at my calendar. I had a three-day window. In that three-day window, I had to... Um, make a decision. Am I going to go back, maintain my status? Am I going to stay here and lose it? So I was very confused. Mm -hmm. And um, so a very long story short, in that moment, I I just found out that it was actually God sending us to the United States. And he basically spoke outside of my paradigm at the time because I thought, you know, Africa is my place. I'm going to be the rest of my life. And he took me out of that mindset. And um, when I... Arrived in the United States three days later with my three kids, wife, and suitcases. Literally, um, I had what I call a finding Nemo experience. Now, if you've seen the movie <laughs> Finding Nemo, you know that plot line with the fish? Yeah. They're in the aquarium, and throughout the whole movie, they come up with all these different strategies how to escape, how to escape their box, mm-hmm. right? And they're, they're in that aquarium and try this and doesn't work. And they try that it doesn't work. And at the end of the day, at the end of the movie, the final scene, they finally figure it out, right? They, they're in these little bags temporarily because they're cleaning the aquarium. And then they roll out the windowsill and now they're floating in the harbor in their little bags and they're celebrating. And then they get awkwardly quiet and they look at each other and they say, now what? <laughs> and they didn't know what to do next. And that's where the movie ends. And when I arrived in the States, I had that same kind of experience, right? I, I had taken out of my environment into a new environment. And I realized that what I did in South Africa, I was involved in church planning, social works, all kind of stuff. And we were a big team. We we're like 40 people that had moved from the United States and Europe to, to be involved in this mission. So somebody else set the calendar like on Sunday morning, we do this. On Monday morning, evening, we, we pray. On Tuesday, we do Bible study. And, and every day, somebody dictated to me what I had to do, what I had to show up for. And what I realized after I left that environment was that there was a pattern, a template, a format hmm. that kept me going in a cycle that wasn't really accomplishing much. But it created this, what I call, a false sense of religious accomplishment. Like I was doing a lot, making myself feel good about what I was doing, but in reality, was I truly the person I was supposed to be? Mm -hmm. And when I came to America, I was like, wow, now what? I could either find another organization that would tell me what to do, or I could go through the eye of the needle, so to speak, and figure out who I was created to be and give birth to something that came out of the true identity that God had deposited in me before I was even created, right? So for me, my move to South Africa was crucial in this whole process because I realized I was part of a system that on the surface was doing all this stuff but I really wasn't who I was supposed to be. And it came from removing me from that environment, when, when I was removed from that environment and put into a place that if, if I wasn't gonna do something with my life myself, you know, I was, nothing was gonna happen. Nobody had planned a meeting for me. Nobody had invited me to come speak. Nobody, had, I had to just you know, give birth to something new. And that's what, for me, that whole move was crucial in the whole process. And looking back, it was sort of a turning point that opened my eyes. That you know, so many of us are just stuck into a rat race of sorts mm-hmm. that uh, keeps us conditioned to mediocrity. And uh, that was my experience.
0: Yeah, uh, that's an interesting story. Um, I know you you go a little bit more in depth in your book, Unboxed, about the, your journey you know, from the Netherlands, then South Africa, and then to the U.S. And, you know, in your book, you talk about, um, you know, you propose different steps on uh, towards getting unboxed. So you you mentioned there's awareness, thinking bigger, uh, take action, uh, how to destroy your box, and, and then create. Um, so what would you say was the most challenging uh, for you in, in your journey of, you uh, becoming unboxed
1: yeah so that's a very good question um you know let, let's walk through it a little bit and i'll answer your question you only know what you know mm-hmm. right so awareness is very important like we don't know sometimes what condition that what what is on what is conditioning our brains our minds and it takes an external signal to widen the lens through which we look at the world and 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 awareness is is something like hey guess what you know your 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 life could be bigger more abundant more successful more impactful and 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 there is an invisible boundary that keeps you small Uh, so awareness we, we needed some sort of external source to to show that to us and then just because you're aware doesn't mean anything's going to change because at some point you've got to put your brain to work and try to think outside of that box that you were once in. And, and so thinking bigger is crucial. And most people can think bigger, but thinking by itself is not going to help you either because uh, it starts there. But the Bible says hope deferred makes the heart sick. So you can see all kinds of things outside of the world you were once in. That makes you excited but as long as you're in that world uh, you're not going to see the fulfillment of that greater reality so at some point you got to step out of that box you gotta you gotta take action right and and then i realized that that taking action is great i might be out of that box but that box that you were once part of that, that world that conditioned your thinking still controls you from the outside and it's almost like your world gravitates around, you know, that, that, that box that you were once part of. And it becomes like, uh, you know, everything you do references back to how things once was. Mm-hmm. So that box really has to be destroyed because it needs to become irrelevant to your thinking process. Um, realizing that you live in a world of boxes... You could in move in and out of other people's boxes without being controlled by it, right? And then once you're completely free, you can create something that's true to who God created you to be. So those those are the five steps in, in a nutshell. But it's almost like climbing a mountain, right? So what's the most challenging? Well, the higher you climb, the thinner the air, the harder it is to climb, right. the closer you come to the top. Now, not just harder in your breathing and just the energy needed in order to make that next step take that next step but also one thing i learned is the higher you are on the mountain the less people you meet so mm-hmm. the closer you get to the top uh the lonelier the journey and the people the, 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 the less people understand what it is you're going through because not everybody is willing to pay that price because the comfort of the box is keeping the multitude of people, you know, pacified in their status quo. And if you've seen, you know, the movie of The Matrix, one of my favorites, you know, is a good example of, of that illustration. People choose the comfort of The Matrix um, over the truth that sets one free into, you know, the reality they can live. So, So for me, definitely step four and five, probably, you know, destroying the box is almost equally as hard as creating something authentic. Yeah. Um, in my book, I, I explain that in depth, like, what does it mean to destroy the box? Well, you know, think about this for a moment. Here is King David one day, uh, one night, he's laying in bed, and he is dreaming up this big vision about building God a house and he comes up with the blueprint of the temple and then God stops him. He says, you know what? Too much blood on your hands. Your son will build it. So God still initiated it, but he wasn't the one building it. His son built it. 40 years, uh, 46 years to build the temple. Uh, time, money, energy spent in the process. People died in the process to build that house that was God-initiated and then when it was dedicated, the glory of God fell the place. It was successful. And for the centuries following, it became the epicenter of religious activity for the Jewish people. You sent, you brought a cow, you sacrificed it. You were forget- The system worked, right? And then Jesus shows up on that same temple square years later, also sent by God. He looks around and he says, it's my purpose. I have come to destroy this. That's kind of crazy. The same God that started something ended something. Hmm. Right? So apparently it's possible for God to initiate a work just to come back years later in a different season to destroy that work that he initiated. So don't let the success of yesterday fool you because the future has a different success. And that's where Jesus put a comma. I said, I've come to destroy this. But I'm rebuilding something better in three days, speak about his body, speak about church. And even the disciples had a hard time understanding that because then when you go to uh, the book of Acts and it's the last day of Jesus on earth and he's speaking his final words to his disciples, if there was ever a time to listen to Jesus, now was that time, Jesus last word, hey, before I go, one last thing, I think I'd be listening, right? Mm -hmm. He said, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, outermost parts of the earth. I mean, how many many ways can you interpret that? It's pretty straightforward. Mm -hmm. The corners of the earth is your mandate. And then Jesus goes. And what do the disciples do? They go back to Jerusalem. Then the Bible says persecution came. And the believers were scattered even as far as Antioch. And the apostles lingered in Jerusalem and they met where daily in the temple. Mm-hmm. Their minds were so conditioned, even though they had Jesus heard Jesus' declaration that the temple was destroyed, the power of that system was removed, they had heard the mandate, final words of Jesus, the ends of the earth, when push came to shove. They lingered in Jerusalem and met in the temple daily. Talking about the power of mental conditioning and, and being in the box, even the disciples who had, in my opinion, quite an advantage mm-hmm. from you know, <laughs> where they got their information from, yeah. they still couldn't break free from that. And it wasn't until 70 AD when the temple was physically destroyed that finally that group of apostles you know, started moving to other parts of the, of the, of the world. And, and up until that point, it really was just Paul, who was never part of that initial group. Um, so anyways, for me, that's probably one of the, the, the bigger ones that keeps people from creating, uh, creating authentically, I should say. And, uh, of course, you know, creating that that's, goes back to what I shared about this Finding Nemo moment. If I don't do something with my life that, that's true to who I truly am, where nobody else dictates what I'm supposed to do, yeah. uh, nothing's going to happen. And, and creating something, um, you know, I would say is equally as hard. Um, so I hope that answers your question. Long, long answer to your question
2: that's excellent that's excellent so just kind of leaning on that a little bit more you know what advice do you have for or what what you know pitfalls are you seeing with the young professionals young leaders young people in general when it comes to falling into some of these similar traps of being kind of yeah. boxing yourself in
1: yeah i i think one thing about young people and i used to be young once uh is is like you know we think we young people you know, I'm, I'm talking 20 years back, 30 years back. Mm-hmm. Uh, we think we know it all, right? We come to a certain age and then we figure it out and we, we figure out why our parents were wrong and we figure out why why our government's wrong and we, we figure out all these things, right? And my biggest advice is don't take yourself too seriously because at the end mm-hmm. of the day, I promise you, we're all wrong. <laughs> Nobody has figured it out. It's not a question of... Of Are we wrong? No, we know we're all wrong on some level, right? The question is, how wrong are we? <laughs> and because if you can think like that, you have grace for others because you realize I, 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 I got it wrong somewhere just as much as you got it wrong somewhere. But maybe collectively we can learn something from each other. And I think that's very important. I put it this way, you know. Everybody is somewhere on the spectrum. What does that mean? Well, when these people left Egypt, they had a true encounter with God that delivered them from evil, put them in the place of liberty and freedom. But a few chapters in, they build a golden calf. They take up an offering to build something that was completely contradicting to the God that delivered them. Yet, they pointed at that idol and said, this is the God that took us out of Egypt. And that's what we often do as leaders, as ministers, as, as, as human beings. We misrepresent, you know, something that's real in the earthly realm uh, when it comes to, you know, God's kingdom. So, uh, so there's that. Then there's that mountain that Moses climbs, right? And he's on the top. So we're all between Moses and these people that built his idol. We're somewhere on that spectrum, but even Moses, when God finally showed up and read it in the Old Testament, God stuck him into a rock. He said, you know, if I show myself in my full capacity, you're going to die. I mean, you can't handle that, but I'll give you this. I'll pass by, and once I'm at a good distance, you can glance at me for a moment and and see me from behind, right? Right. That's the spectrum we between complete misrepresentation <laughs> of the truth and a glimpse of the reality of the glory and the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, if, we're, if Moses only knew this much and there was so much he couldn't see and even the little bit almost killed him and his face shone for I don't know how long when he came down that mountain... Uh, what makes us believe that we got it all figured out. So for me, that was a hard lesson because there was a time I knew it all. Yeah. And and then the more I learned, the more I realized I don't know nothing.
0: (laughs) Yeah. To kind of further that a little bit, uh, I want to hone in on those steps that you talked about, the uh, take action and destroy your box. And uh, still in the context of of young people and young generations, I feel like that's the most challenging, uh, especially with, with young people today is is they um they don't like taking action or they don't like they don't want to destroy the box because there are so many unknowns there's huge risk in destroying the box because um you know and i I struggled with this too is i wanted x y and z within this amount of years i wanted to have this uh position you know so focused on something that i wanted and oftentimes, instead of leaning on faith, you just lean on your own and try to do things on your own. And I feel like a lot of young <clears throat> young people that grew up in the church really struggle with that is because they're called to, they, they think they want, they should be the CEO of Amazon or whatever yep. uh, within such a short span of years. But in reality, their calling is a completely different direction. And it's so difficult for them to find that. So what... Sure. How 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 should uh, one young person be guided through that and how does a young person have that faith to take action and destroy the box because that could be so challenging for young, uh, just young people in general.
1: Yeah, so there's no, you know, <clears throat> uh, there's no shortcut to the journey, right? Mm-hmm. There'll be a piece of wilderness between the box and the promise. So you know, the law of the kingdom is death and resurrection. So at the end of the day, uh, Jesus put this way, you know, the rock will, will uh, you will fall on the rock and be broken or the rock will fall on you and, and you'll be destroyed. Either way, it's going to hurt. Right. And, and the price to pray to pay for true identity, because that's what we're talking about. You know, mm-hmm. I want to be the CEO of Amazon. OK, that's great. Right. And maybe just maybe God has called you to be that. But chances are he is not. Right. Um, it, it, it's, it's your quest to, to true identity. Who does God say that I am? The answer to that question has to be a driver in order to find true fulfillment. And there's no shortcut to that, to that process. I mean, you're going to have to go through these things. You're going to have to go, you know, make mistakes, trials and errors, you know, cry out to God, figure it all out. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, 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 there's no shortcut. And um, yeah, again, the rock will follow you, you can voluntarily fall on it. Mm-hmm. But if you just, you know, try to do things in your own strength, and your own might, uh, it's just not going it, to, it's just not going to fly. You're going to find yourself, maybe in that position of CEO, still be unfulfilled. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, talk, I talk about that in, in my book when I talk about the create area. It's when Jesus sits down with Peter, and then he says, Peter, what's the word on the street? You know, who do people say that I am? And they say, well, some say you're, you're, you're John the Baptist, or some say you're a prophet, or some say you're this or that. Yeah, That's great. It's great to know what the word on the street is, but who do you say that I am? And then Peter says, well, you're the Christ, son of the living God. And then Jesus says, wow, that's true revelation that comes from the Father because nobody has declared that to you in, in the physical realm, but the Father has revealed this to you. And many times as leaders, uh, we're just happy to know that the people we lead know who Christ is. But what God is interested in is, yeah, sure, he wants you to know that he is the Christ, but what he's more interested in after that is who you are and there comes a point in your journey where you no longer know what the, what the people say about god and christ and his kingdom what you know by revelation who he is but who he says you are and that zooms into true identity it's when jesus turns to you and says hey now that you know who i am let me tell you who you are you are peter and on that rock i will build my church mm. And again, there's no shortcut. You've got to climb that mountain. The air is going to get thin. You're going to get tired. You want to give up. You want to go down. You want to just build that golden calf like everybody else and, you know, give your offering to build it and feel good about yourself and create this false sense of accomplishment while in reality, you know, true fulfillment comes on the top where Jesus pushes you into who you were created to be. And, uh, you know, the sooner you come to peace with that, uh, the better. Um, And it's going to be a price for everybody to pay, you know, regardless of your background, regardless of, you know, where you are on the social status or economic ladder. Everybody's going to go through the same stuff in their own way in order to discover who they're created to be. So...
2: You know, as we kind of start to wrap up, you know, one of the quotes in the book that really stood out to me that I that I loved and I want you to unpack it a little bit more for us. It says religion sucks the life out of any situation and replaces it with something that produces death. <laughs> that's a big can, one. <laughs> that's a big one. So, can you can you unpack that one for us a little bit?
1: Yeah, it, it actually reminded me too. I spoke somewhere and uh, they picked up I'm from Amsterdam. I'm from the Netherlands. And, of course, Amsterdam has this stigma that, you know, okay, you go to Amsterdam, you can smoke weed, and you go to a Red Light District, and it's a liberal country, a liberal city, everything goes. It's like the European Vegas, right? And uh, they asked me, you know, growing up in this country, like, how did you deal with all this lawlessness and all this worldly temptation? How do Christians position themselves in a country that evil, essentially, was was the question. And I said, you know, I'm not worried about any of these things. Mm. I'm not worried about anything. You know what I'm worried about? I'm worried about religion. Why? Worldly mindsets and dynamics and opportunities are there to keep you from God, right? But you know what religion does? Religion uses the word of God to kill God. Yeah, That's another level.
2: Mm.
1: It's another level.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: The Pharisees, the religious order of the day, they took the scripture and they used And the Bible says, you know, the, the, the scriptures is the word, of the, or the word is the, the sword of the spirit. What is the sword? The sword is a murder weapon. It produces death. Now, whoever holds the sword holds the power. What are we going to kill? And when religious leaders hold the sword, in Jesus' time, they took the scripture and used it to crucify Jesus. So I think we we as 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 leaders in the ministry world, I think we over I'm trying to find a word um, we give too much credit to worldly dynamics you know even you know we could become political you know what's happening to the supreme court lately and all those kind of things we get all riled up and i get that don't get me wrong but what what's more concerning to me is 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 a religious mindset using the word of god to keep people in bondage to to suck the life out of people's lives because so many times what we teach in our churches keeps people in mediocrity therefore it keeps jesus small Mm -hmm. a little baby while he wants to mature in you so you can truly become who you're supposed to be so yeah religion produces death and always has and it was religion that killed jesus on the cross Ultimately, it was turned around for the good for us. But, um, yeah, I don't know if that answers your question. But, you know, that's No, a absolutely.
2: Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you so much. Cameron, any, any final thoughts? So We've go, we got a little lightning round of, of simple questions to ask you before we uh, wrap up.
0: Um, let me see. You got me stuck here. Um, any final comments on, on how someone becomes unboxed or how someone strives to become unboxed?
1: You know, of course, buy the book, right? That's, yeah. that's going to be an important one. Buy the book, read it. Buy the book. The yes. number of people that, that have read the book and told me, you know, it's like it kept me up at night because I was wondering what I was doing with my life. Yeah. Uh, because it, I think it goes that deep. It's like it, it challenges people to the core, you know, what am I doing with my life? And, and what more is there that I could do? And, uh, you know, in some cases, uh, people have made complete radical changes to their career or their, the path that they were on as a result of this book. And honestly, I'm humbled by it, by those kinds of stories because, you know, I didn't really intend to write the book. It was like my wife was out of town. Uh, one weekend and I just felt like I got to write some thoughts down I sat down on a Friday night and on Monday morning I finished a book and um you know I'm not a writer I'm not a reader even believe it or not I'm a publisher I own a publishing company we publish 200 books a year I'm not even a reader um, and somehow I was able to write a book of four days so all credit to God but um you know I think it will be a tool to help you uh, on that journey and to, uh, you know, to find your true self and uh, whatever that looks like for you. Excellent. Mm-hmm.
2: We'll drop in the show notes and where you can get the link to purchase the book on Unboxed and where you can uh, connect. Uh, another thing, uh, Martin, Martine, um, how can people connect with you? How can they learn more about what you do and, and uh, get a hold of your content?
1: Yeah, uh, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, M.J. Tilborg uh, is uh, Instagram. Martijn van Tilborg is Facebook. I know that's hard to spell, but you can see probably in the the title of this podcast how my name is spelled. Yeah. Yeah. That's how you spell it. Um, I'm on there. Message me directly. Uh, MartijnvanTilborg.com is my website. Um, yeah, that's how you can connect.
2: Excellent. So we got a couple of questions before we wrap up. Being that you are a book publisher, uh, what books have you read lately or come across lately that you'd say these are must-reads for this year?
1: (laughs) Well, like I said, (laughs) I'm I'm a book publisher that doesn't really read much. Uh, (laughs) But let me think uh, what would be a good one that I came across lately. Well, first of all, I'm a big fan, obviously, of all Sam Chan's books. Um, this one is not out yet, but it's about to come out. It's called Leading Chaos. Not leading in chaos. Leading Chaos. Mm. And it's about the idea that every leader is called to create chaos, to disrupt the status quo, and then how to lead through that chaos. So that's one that I've been working on with Sam. Uh, it's about to come out. I'm excited about that uh, just because of the disruptive nature of that book. So that one would be one to be on the lookout for. Um, one that just came out. You know what? I don't. I don't know how to answer that question right now. But I'm excited about leading chaos.
2: All right. The the, the next two, I'm sure you can answer much easier. Second one, favorite biblical character.
1: Favorite biblical character would be probably John the Baptist or Elijah. Yeah. And then
2: the final one would be dead or alive who would you love to have lunch with that you've never had
1: Oh that's a cool that's a cool question. Wow. man And I can only pick one. Huh? <laughs> dead or alive. Oh my word. You may have to clip a few seconds out of this one because I'm is <laughs> That's, <going. laughs> That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> Gary Vaynerchuk. All right. Now, you know who is, is
2: that?
1: <laughs> he's, like, <laughs> he's an online marketer that you know has impacted my thinking when it comes to business and building organization. Not a Christian uh has a potty mouth so warning you uh if you look him up don't blame me for the cursing but he um yeah his way of thinking has really impacted me and i love to answer him so first of all thank him and pick his brain
0: nice nice
2: excellent well Cameron, you want to wrap this up
0: yeah, well, Martine, thank you so much for your time. Uh, it was—I think I learned a lot too. Just having you on this podcast, I know Travis did too. It was really uh, intriguing uh, to learn more about your book, uh, Unboxed, and we—I know—we both found great value um, in in the book that you published. Uh, and I think it's a message that a lot of people need, uh, especially in today's society. And thank you for sharing your message through through that avenue.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me. It's it's yeah. an honor. It's always an honor when people reach out and say, "Hey, I want to be on our show," and I don't want to take that for granted. So, you guys do great work and add a lot of value to a lot of people. And I just pray that it continues to grow and uh, that it will be uh, of much help to the audiences that you serve. So, thanks. All right, yeah. Thank you so much.
2: Well, hello, and thank you, guys, so much for uh, joining us today on the Leadership Download. As always, if this content added value to you, please share, like, subscribe, whatever is appropriate for the platform that you're listening on today. And if uh, if Martin Martine Martin gave you anything today that you felt that was of value, please feel free to um, to check out his websites and all of his social media that we. I shared at the end of the interview. We just thank you guys so much for joining us, and we'll catch you guys on the next episode.